0: to let you know, the sports machine with Slim is starting up. Thursday, which means it's almost Friday. Days are flying by around here. They're flying by for the Celtics season, which continues tonight with a game at Miami. For those of you wondering, yes, I am wearing my Scary Terry shirt. It's underneath a longer sleeve Boston Celtics shirt. Which, uh, both articles of clothing are over my coaching whistle. Today I'm going to be Coach Mac. This is the sports machine with Slim, but I uh, have the right and, uh, to identify as Coach Mac every now and then if I want to. That's what I'm going to do. Today I'm going to be Coach Mac because I'm going to drill down into the Bruins' loss last night from a coaching standpoint. And I'm going to drill into the uh, Celtics' heat game tonight. But first, I'm going to start with a little story like I like to do some days. Yesterday, I'm going to tell you, somebody came into the WKXL studios who absolutely blew me away. Gabe from the Spicy Shark. The Spicy Shark is a hot sauce company based out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, that is growing. And seems to be growing rapidly. In fact, they're on the shelves in all of the Northeast Whole Foods Stores, So this is like, uh, you know, kind of big time business that this guy Gabe has pretty much built from the ground up, him and his sister. They've got, I think, 15 different varieties. Well, anyway, I'm not a hot sauce guy. And his hot sauces, the spicy shark, get measured on a scale from one fin up to five fins. But then he just recently created, I guess, a sixth fin for his hottest sauce which is named for a mythical creature, which is a combination of a shark and a snake, I think. I don't even remember the name of it, but it's hot. I'm not trying that. What I did this morning, though, is I woke up early, made pancakes for the family. I want my two kids to try this uh, blueberry hot sauce that Gabe had, was nice enough to bring in yesterday. He brings in some samples, really, really nice of them. And I'm like, all right, I'm not a hot sauce guy. In fact, I like have never tried it. Let me try it. He goes, well, you're going to want to try dip your toe in the water with this this one or this one. He's got a couple of the one fins. Okay, cool. So I make the pancakes. I tell the kids, hey, we're going to try this new um, syrup today. It's blueberry syrup. And they're like, you know, oh, something different. The kid's five years old, seven years old. All right, this is cool. Well, my son goes over to the table. I said, yeah, it's a shark one. So he looks at the bottle. He goes, yeah, this shark is a fire. Because cause there's fire coming out of the shark's mouth. And he goes, oh, is this going to be hot? I'm going to need some water. He's like, yeah, if this is spicy. I don't want this. My kids, they do not like spicy stuff at all. So I was trying to get them to like, just kind of taste this without uh, looking at it. Maybe I shouldn't have made it a big deal. Maybe it was my fault from the get-go. I am open to... Uh, Believing that, it could be my fault. Anyway, now it's all of a sudden the commotion. I don't wanna try this. I'm like, fine, fine, whatever. I put a little dab on their their plates for both of them. You can just dip it in this. My son doesn't, he's five, he doesn't even try it. I I put a bunch on my pancakes, Gabe. I'm gonna tell you what, dude. The blueberry sauce, it's good. I feel a little heat afterwards. I, I don't know that I need that in my life, but I'm not saying I don't need it in my life. I'm open to it, I liked the taste. And just so you know, my daughter, after the fuss kind of dies down and nobody's paying attention anymore, and she sees me go and put a second amount of thing on, on my next batch of beer cakes that I'm eating, she tries and says, oh, I like this. I like this. So here's the deal, anybody that's out there listening. If you like hot sauce, okay, I'm just asking you, hey, go on thespicyshark.com. The Spicy Shark. It's easy to remember. This dude's building a business, and I just like Um, His presentation, I like his product, and today there's going to be a WKXL Spotlight episode. Spotlight is a show that I do. It's aside from the sports machine with Slim. I interview businesses, individuals, organizations that are doing good things, hopefully for humanity, and in the state of New Hampshire. And Gabe sat down with me yesterday to do that interview, and it's going to be on the WKXL Airwaves today from 4 to 5. You can also get it after the fact. Download if you go to nhtalkradio.com. It's worth listening to. This cat is is interesting, funny, smart, and he makes a good product. I might start to be a hot sauce guy. D- How does it happen? I said to him yesterday, I do." am I going to be one of these people if I try it once that I'm like eating hot sauce on everything and I can't eat anything if it doesn't have hot sauce anymore because I don't have any taste? Goes, well, you might be. Well, let's see. I'm going to try some of the other varieties here, Gabe. Thanks again. Let's move into the sports world. The Bruins last night lost 3-2 to to Carolina. For people that don't know, Carolina is now 5 wins, 0 losses, 2 ties in their last 7 versus the Bruins. 5-0-2 in the last 7 versus the Bruins. That's That's a bit concerning. And I have some X's and O's stuff that I identified from the very beginning of the game last night when I was watching, they, it just seems like Carolina plays a different style than some other teams do. And I'm a hockey novice, I'll tell you right now. But it's funny, I didn't know that Carolina, historically here, has been whipping our tail over the last six, seven games. I had no idea. I just immediately noticed, boy, they seem to attack. And when they're on a power play, or they're, they're actually, when they're shorthanded, when Carolina's playing with four on the ice against our five, man, most times... You kind of sit back in a zone if you got four defensemen against five. I know the Bruins do it. You don't really go out and like overly attack the puck and force them to make a decision. You just kind of sit back because you don't want to get burned. Man, no, Carolina is different. Carolina openly attacks the puck, and then when they pass, they the next guy openly attacks the next the next person with the puck, and they just keep going from one to one. Now, do they leave themselves open? I'm sure they do. My coaching whistle that I have on, I'm going to be prepared to take out when I talk, hopefully with Thomas Polk, who is our uh, resident hockey expert, former NHL player for five years, and I'm going to ask him to get down and dirty with some X's and O's type stuff with me to tell me, hey, what is Carolina doing that, obviously, the Bruins aren't prepared for or aren't able to compete against? Because if we run into Carolina in the playoffs, are we just going to lose? Are we going to fold up? If we happen to play them in the first round... Are we just folding up again? Is this all a waste of our time? I don't think so. I still continue to say this Bruins team has something special. Yes, Linus Elmark was in net last night, and some of the talk is, Oh, would Swayman have made the last last save? What I'll tell you, people, is there was a play at the end of the game. The Bruins were down 2-0 going into the third period. Okay, Carolina is dominating the action. You're up two nothing. What the heck? Doesn't matter what else is happening. You're up two nothing. Well, we get Brad Marchand scores a goal like a minute and a half into the start of the third period. So it goes to two to one. Yeah, the Bruins are gonna fight back like they always do. This Bruins team, when they get down, they always fight back, which is what I love. I love to see that competitive spirit. Well, keep fast forwarding. Brad Marchand scores another goal. We tie it up, two to two. Fantastic. Six minutes, 30 seconds left. I got my notebook. I'm writing down, okay, this Oscar Steen, I'm not even sure who this is, honestly, but draws a big penalty, and the Bruins are on the penalty. Six minutes, 30 seconds left in the game. We got all the momentum. Well, we don't score. Okay, that's all right. Well, let's keep, keep moving forward. Two and a half minutes left, and Jim Montgomery, the coach of the Bruins, says some comments about this post game where the Bruins made a mistake from an execution standpoint, mental standpoint. We got uh, Pasternak is kind of out by the three-point land, is what I would say if I was in uh, the NBA or the basketball coaching arena. And I'll tell you, this is, I think, a very good comparison or relation, whatever we want to call it, is Pasternak unloads a slap shot. He gets a pass fed to him, unloads a slap shot from the top of the key, way out. Goalie makes the save, deflected off to the right. The guys from Carolina immediately start zooming up the ice to the other end. And Pasternak's kind of recovering or something. You know, It's like in the NBA when you shoot a three and you just watch it. And then there's a long rebound and the other team gets the rebound and then they just go the other way for a fast break. Because the dude shooting the three, you need to get back on defense. If you're going to shoot the three, you cannot allow the other team to get behind you afterwards. That's just laziness. Non-competitive, certainly not championship-level uh, you know, effort. So, pass the knack on loads the shot, and he kind of isn't getting back at all as the Carolina guys take off. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ice, our defenseman, uh, Lindholm, he's pinching down. Quote-unquote, pinching down. And he's not supposed to do this, because as he's coming down to try to get uh, be in position for a rebound... Off the goalie's pads or whatever, he's trying to be aggressive to score, which I, I like actually. But this is what Jim Montgomery said post-game, you're not supposed to do that because it's a 2-2 game with two and a half minutes left. You want to get the point at the very least. You want to be you don't want to be out of position, overly extending yourself to try to score a goal when if you just lay back, you're gonna get a point and we'll um, you know play in overtime and see what happens. Well, Lindholm goes forward. He gets exposed. Boom, bing, bang, boom. Pass up the net, up the other rink, uh, side of the rink. Jordan Martinook from Carolina puts it past Almark. A save Almark probably should have made, but I'm not going to get on him. This is the Bruins. I'm okay with you losing a game last night. That's what I want you to remember as we head into the commercial and the Sports Machine was Slim. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. We're coming back to dive more into the Bruins right after this. Welcome back to the Sports Machine with Slim. I am wearing my uh, Patriots, or sorry Celtics, Patriots are on the mind too, Celtics paraphernalia today in clothing, <laughs> but we're going to dive into the Bruins deeper, we're going to talk more about last night's game, the overall condition of the team, and then the segment after that I'm going to do a deep dive into Jim Montgomery, I did some research last night that I just wanted to share with everybody, I think it'll help draw you closer to the team as the season goes along, what I also think will help... Draw you closer to the team is some insider information from our local licensed health insurance and Medicare broker, Thomas Polk, former NHL player. Welcome to the show again, Thomas.
1: Thank you, Jim. Always always fun being here.
0: Yeah, always fun to talk to you because I know you know more than me. I will, I will say this. It's fun in my life when I talk to somebody, I'm like, okay, this person is much smarter than me on such and such a topic because I can learn from them. And I like to stop and listen and learn for as much as I talk. I do like to listen sometimes, Thomas.
1: I wouldn't say smarter. I've just been around the game a little longer than you. That's
0: all. Well, here you go. I'm going to put you to the test here. Let's let our listening audience um, decide for themselves if they think you're smarter than me on hockey. Uh, what I will say is, one of our listeners called in the other day and said, Hey, uh, Slim, the ice seems to be a little choppy. Like guys are falling down there at the garden. And what do you think is happening? And I will say, as I watched the game last night, Thomas, I did think I saw a lot of guys kind of going to the the ground for ice condition, how big of a role does that play to NHL players when they're out there?
1: No I mean the conditions at every rink now if you look at it right and we don't see it when you watch TV but if you go to a game right every time it goes to TV commercials there's about 15 staff coming on the ice they are taking the snow off um, they're uh, you know getting rid of all the extra snow. Um, the, the Sambonis in between do double the laps. Like, the ice conditions are good. They're, they're, they're perfect. They're about as good as it gets.
0: Okay, so this is not something that our listening audience should concern themselves with.
1: I don't think so. I mean, if you look at it now, too, if you look at the technology from the skates and the way the blades are sharpened and, and the equipment managers at the back, they have this fast clip where guys can switch out their heels of the skates instantly in seconds And they're doing it on the bench. Uh, Again, we don't see that much on TV. But if you actually go to a game, you see guys switching out their blades in between shifts. So I don't think that's an issue. Guys are going down and guys are going to fall. That's part of the game, right? (laughs) Absolutely,
0: absolutely. I do notice sometimes, it does seem to me in the warmer months, Thomas, like when we get into May and the playoffs and stuff, it does seem like the ice has an impact on some of these games. Like the puck just always seems to be bouncing. So when the warmer weather comes, it certainly is an impact, right, on the game? You must notice that, I would think.
1: Yeah, of of course it changes. But, you know, I mean, all these rinks are, are warm in the inside for us fans, and the ice temperatures are the same. They just have to crank up the cooling system. Uh, The thing with the pucks and the bouncing, they do bounce, but uh, that might be something a lot of people don't know either. Those pucks they're using, they're actually refrigerated. So they're cold. Because the puck obviously bounces less when they're cold.
0: Interesting. So just like in, I think, Colorado Rockies, their baseball team, because they play in the high altitude, I think they keep the baseballs in like a humidor or something before using them or bringing them out. So that's what they do. They like pre-plan a certain number of pucks for a game in hockey, and they got those refrigerated, and as you need a new one, you go into the refrigerator and grab one.
1: Yeah, they're on the the bench. Usually it's in the penalty box, either the home or the visiting team, and then you ever see that the ref needs a new puck, they go there, pull it out, and hand it to the ref.
0: Okay, so let's move on to the next. uh, This is a coaching thing, so let's uh, let's let the listening audience decide what they think about this. There's a 2-1-1 coming at me. I'm on defense. Two guys are on offense. I say I should immediately attack the man with the puck. I see a lot of times guys kind of playing both sides. You're playing the guy with the puck, you're playing the other dude. I say from a defensive strategy, I should immediately attack Take the guy with the puck and take him out, force him to make the pass, and then let that cat go one-on-one against the goalie. I don't see a lot of NHL teams playing defense that way, Thomas. What's the right way to play it?
1: Well, the number one thing there is you want to make him have a decision early, number one, the forwards, right? That's a D. Yes, kind of. You got to play it. Who's coming down on you? Is it Connor McDavid or is it a fourth line guy that scores five goals a year? Right? Like, who do you want to shoot at the end of the day? And if then the slim. other thing, if you,
0: it's Slim coming down the ice, whether he uh, has
1: the puck or not, you want to leave him open. Yes, good yeah. point. Tom. And then they, they look at statistics, right? As a D, you kind of play your odds a little bit. to see a passer, if see a shooter. Number one, number two, the goalie gets the shooter. That's the first thing. You don't want at the end a pass across where the goalie has to move laterally left to right or right to left, because that's when the holes are open. So obviously, give the goalie a chance to make the save. So you don't want the pass to go across, but you can also not let the guy in on a breakaway. So we kind of play it a little bit in between. And everybody is a little different, Right. Well, Good that's Thomas it. Team.
0: You're playing it in between. I'm not. I'm on the other side of you, Thomas. I'm going to contest here and we're going to let our listeners decide. I'm saying every time as long as it's not like you say McDavid is on the other one, I, would, I might just take McDavid out in that point, right? I'm going to make the split decision and say, who's more dangerous? 95% of the time it's going to be the dude with the puck. If McDavid don't have the puck and he's coming down, alright, I'm just going to leave the puck totally alone. And you would probably say that's a bad decision. I would challenge you on that.
1: i uh, <laughs> I, I can go back on that. It's, it's okay to challenge it. The reason they're doing it the other way is because it works. You know, uh, you're going to have the odd breakdowns and that happens somewhere else Why you have an odd man rush, whether it's a three on two or three a two on one. At the end of the day, you want to give your goalie the best chance to make a stop. And that's when he's dead focused on the player. You can't let him make the pass too late. Because as I said, on those plays, and they have it statistically down, center ice, if the puck crosses that center ice from left to right, your chances of scoring increase dramatically.
0: Big time. Yeah, that's what I noticed. I mean, we're in full agreement. That pass over to the other guy where the goalie all of a sudden is out of position, sliding over, and you have the full net. I mean, you can go to the left or to the right if you're receiving that pass, if you're good enough. So um, that, it just gives the listeners something to watch the next time there's a 2-on-1 and they'll think about this conversation. Thomas, is there something that Carolina does, a style, or is it just their speed that is the reason for why they have, I mean, a proven track record of beating the Bruins? They're 5-0-2 in the last seven games against the Bruins. I mean, they're,
1: they're a good team. They, they really are. Uh, they've been playing well the last few years uh, since Wood took over. And, you know, they're obviously a contender every time we start the season. Uh, the Roons are still doing well. Obviously, they've got to figure out a way uh, to get past them and get some wins against them. Definitely come playoff time because I think they will be in there and they will be uh, one of the top teams in the East. And, you know, you want to win the Stanley Cup, you have got to get by them somehow.
0: Well, that's the thing. I want to figure that out now. So I would tell you the next regular season game we play against Carolina is gonna tell us a lot. Okay, the the Bruins. That was a huge game against Winnipeg the other night. They had lost four to one at Winnipeg. They five to one. Sorry, they come back. They beat Winnipeg at home four to one. That was like yes, you know that's the height of the the mountain almost from the the regular season standpoint. Well, now your next game after that there's naturally a little bit of a of a drop-off, I feel. That's why, hey, Carolina gets out 2 nothing last night. We battle back 2-2. to We lose. That's fine. But now, the Carolina stats are staring you in the face. The next time we play them, we need to beat them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the plan, obviously. Uh, they seem to have our number a little bit, right? But, again, it's a long season. Bruins are doing well. They're second in the league, first in the Uh They're good in their division. So, they're doing everything right. Um, if you look at their record... From the last ten games, like they're they're doing okay. You know, six one and three is not that
0: bad. It's fantastic. That's why I was listening to WEI on the on the drive in, and they're talking about like, oh, we should trade Omark and Oh, Swayman would have made that save. And I'm just like, everybody, chill out, dude. We had just won like five games in a row. The Bruins are fine. Like I'm not looking calling for any drastic changes right now. Everybody just calm down. It was one play, it's one game that is actually you know, you're gonna lose some games in hockey. There's no reason for excitement. I continue to hold to the to the, the point that we should not trade either of these goalies, Thomas. I like the camaraderie, and do we have any young guys that can be promoted that maybe can fill the line? Do you know? Do you follow the minor leagues for the Bruins?
1: I, I do not. It's not just not a, not enough time in the day. But I'm sure they got some good guys down there playing, getting ready, waiting for their chance. Um, just you know, obviously being on a team like the Bruins is difficult for them.
0: Well, that's it. You, absolutely. Everybody's contributing on the current roster. I just see, uh, I'm not spotting a lot of holes. I said before, I do do think Brandon Carlos sometimes, and I think he made a bad play last night in the, the game finishing play. But I've also seen him make a couple of big checks in the last couple of games. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, who are you going to take out? I don't know. I don't have a spot in the lineup to say, oh, take this guy out to bring up such and such, and let's see if they can play from Providence, wherever the heck the minor league team is.
1: You know, I, I agree with you. They, they, they'll be fine. It, it, it works out. It's obviously hard, like you said, on that on that part there, right? If you have a great team that's at the top of the league, um, you know, they're going to have a hard time bringing some young kids up because the players they have are doing great.
0: That's it. Well, speaking of which, great teams at the top of the league. I will say Edmonton, I believe, has won 15 in a row, Thomas. The next time we play them, we're going to want to tune in, too.
1: Oh, 100%. That'll be a fun game to watch. They've been on fire
0: lately. Let's go. Bruins fans, you're here every day. You'll hear some Bruins talk on the Sports Machine with Slim. Thank you very much, Thomas. This is WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. If you want to learn more about the Bruins coach, Jim Montgomery, stay right there. Let's dive deep into the Bruins discussion. We still got some time later. We'll talk about the Celtics. I got all stats. I got plenty of stuff to get you pumped up and ready for tonight. Scary Terry. Is that Miami now? Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. That's news from yesterday. Good work, Jim Harbaugh. You win the national title. You get to go where you want to go. You got some talent to work with out there, baby. I uh, I wish you the best of luck. As we said yesterday, my brother Dave came up with this thing. John Harbaugh is likely going to win the Super Bowl this year. So the brothers will be the national championship winner in college and the Super Bowl champion in the NFL. The Harbaugh brothers rule the world, baby. Maybe they have like a third outcast brother that I could try to get on the show here as a guest sometime. (laughs) I don't know that I could get Jim or John, but maybe they have like a Jerry Harbaugh out there somewhere. I'm going to do some research. Maybe I can get like their father or mother or something. Um, You know, that would be cool if I got a relative of the Harbaugh's. I'm going to start to – I'm going to write this down and go in the lab and see if I can get – Harbaugh. Anybody Does anyone out there have any friends with the last name Harbaugh? It doesn't even matter. So you're a distant relative of Jim and John. Welcome to the show. Uh, Luka Doncic crying to the refs last night. Do we want to talk about that? I don't know. Luka Doncic's just always crying. It's like the same thing, dude. It's going to 10 years from now, you're not going to have ever won anything, and people are going to be like, you don't play any defense, and he's still crying getting technicals. Grant Williams got thrown out of the game last night for Dallas. <laughs> Former Celtic, we're just talking about how he's complaining to the ref too much, said that the other day. He got thrown out of the game last night. Physical play, complaining. I don't know. I bounce back and forth on him because it's kind of funny, but... Let's talk about Jim Montgomery, everybody. Born June 30th of 1969. Do you know much about this guy? I will tell you I got all my stats off Wikipedia last night, so... If some of this stuff is wrong, I can blame Wikipedia, but... I'd also have to blame myself for not verifying through a second source. You should do that in the media nowadays when you run with a story. Don't just take info from one place, but... I'm trusting the facts here uh, that this stuff is correct. He won a national championship with hockey. Let's just start this. Did you know Jim Montgomery went to the University of Maine? Which is a New England piece. I had no idea. I had no idea this guy played in Maine. And not only did he play in Maine, people, this cat was awesome. Awesome. In 1993, he's the NCAA Tournament Championship MVP. They won. The Maine Black Bears, if that's still their logo, uh, they won the championship year 1993 their record for the season was 42-1-2 and And listen to this I haven't even gotten started like that's okay dude was wow okay he's a tournament championship MVP on main 41 42 wins one loss that season here's the deal his three Jim Montgomery's three third period goals Lifted Maine to a five-to-four comeback win over Lake Superior State in the title game. This guy scored three goals in the third period of the championship game to win his team the title. That's who we have, Bruins fans, as our head coach. He's Maine's—he was at the time Maine's all-time leading scorer. With 301 points, he had 103 goals, 198 assists. So that's who we have from college. Now, this is going back to 1993. I graduated in 1996 college, so apparently he's a little bit older than me, which would put him probably, oh, right there, he was born 6'30", 69. I told you guys all this earlier. So he's about five years older than me. Um, Former coach of the Dallas Stars. So he's got um, NHL coaching experience. And I'm going to kind of get into some more of that here. He is a player, former player, so after he has that great run um, with Maine, he does go to play St. Louis Blues for a year, but it's in and out. He plays for Montreal from 94 to 95 that season. He's released after five games. He plays for Philadelphia uh, for some of the 95 season. Then he's out of the NHL for four years, so this guy didn't play a lot. Obviously, um, you know, he just wasn't a big Producer for whatever reason in the NHL. I don't know why, but then after after he's out for four years, comes back, plays with San Jose Sharks, year two thousand, twenty-eight games. Then he plays for the Dallas Stars. Nine games from two thousand one-two thousand two season. There you go. So he played for the Blues, he played for the, the Dallas Stars. Now let's look at his NHL coaching experience and, and coaching experience. Cause after he leaves the pros, he goes he goes to the United States Hockey League, where he Coaches, the Dubuque Fighting Saints? In his first year there, they win the United States Hockey League Championship. I think it's called the Clark Cup. Well, I think he wins the Clark again two seasons later, 2012-2013, wins this Clark Cup. I don't even know what the USHL is. I'm assuming it's the United States Hockey League. Well, then this is as coach. Then he goes, he coaches University of Denver, which I do know. That's a big hockey school, right? Frozen four, they get two. So he makes it to the final four of hockey, which is a huge deal. And and that's in 2016. 2017, they go to the championship game, and he's named the national coach of the year. So Jim Montgomery was named the national coach of the year for for hockey um, in college in the U.S., Then he gets his opportunity, goes to the NHL, the Dallas Stars. He starts coaching in May of 2018, May 2018. And here's where the story gets a little interesting. On December, uh, in December of 2019, I think it is, so he's there for a year and a half, hopefully that's correct, the Stars fired Montgomery for, and this is on Wikipedia, quote-unquote, unprofessional conduct, inconsistent with the value of of the Dallas Stars, the values of the Dallas Stars and the NHL. January 3rd, 2020, Jim Montgomery checks himself into rehab to deal with alcohol abuse. This is on Wikipedia. He said the Stars were right to fire him. So that's the scoop. The guy's had some problems with alcohol and maybe, you know, his behavior's. Well, using alcohol, whatever, but I, you, know, you shouldn't be blaming alcohol for things. You, you make mistakes. That's, that's what happens. And you own up to it. It seems like he owned up to it. So he's out of hockey coaching for a little while. He gets back in with the St. Louis Blues from 2020 to 2022. He's hired as an assistant there. The Bruins hire him as the head coach in 22 to replace Bruce Cassidy. Last year, in his first year with the Bruins, he takes this team to the best – Regular season record in the history of the NHL. We're up 3-1. to People probably forget this, and I did, honestly. I forgot this. This is a tale of two Boston teams, because for people that don't remember, the Celtics were down 3-0 to Miami last year in the conference finals. And they came back and made it 3-3 and then went to a game 7 and lost just to preview the fourth segment that's coming up here when we talk about the Celtics-Miami matchup tonight. But the Bruins last year, we were up three games to one against Florida in the first round after having the greatest regular season of all time. And we lost three games in a row. I forgot that. That's kind of depressing. But here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you. I ain't. It's not Jim Montgomery's fault we lost. Okay, look at his career coaching record and playing record. This guy is a winner. And I didn't know how much of a winner he was yesterday. Last night, I went on Wikipedia, and (laughs) there's that one source. Now all of a sudden, he's the world's greatest winner. No, the way the guy conducts himself, I have always kind of admired. I will say, though, for most hockey coaches, I do like the way they're not afraid to kind of take ownership and challenge their players. I mean, I see the challenging of the players. I used to like the way uh, Bruce Cassidy did it for the Bruins, but he wasn't getting the job done when, when push came to shove. At the end, it was, hey, dude, it was time for you to go. And Montgomery comes in last year. I like the way he conducts himself. Um, he seems like a guy I'd want to play for. If I was a player, I think the guy's mentality, I, I, he seems to be calm, you know, reserved, but also tough. And last night, after we lose... He says, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have been che- The defenseman should not be checking, you know, down there. Pinching down. Sorry. And it was Lindholm, who, for my money, is the best defenseman on the Bruins. So, hey, listen, Montgomery, you don't be needing to say, Lindholm, yeah, you know, he made a real mistake. He didn't even mention the name in the clip that I heard anyway. But he put it out there. And he's challenging Lindholm. He's challenging his best defensive player. That's what you gotta do. Sometimes you can't be afraid to say, "Listen, dude, we lost kind of because of you." You can't be going out of position there. And Charlie Coyle, this is why I love this Bruins team. I hear the quote afterwards. What Charlie Coyle say? Um, we gotta grow from that. I mean, you could see the look on his face post game when he's doing this interview. Charlie Coyle, who I'm I'm loving this guy. He's got talent at the center position. He wins faceoffs. He he's a shooter. He's also a leader. we got to learn from that. You see, he didn't want to lose. Jim Montgomery don't like to lose people. And I'm telling you, this guy's background, he's going to have success again. And I want him to have it right here this year. This is the Sports Machine with Slim. We're talking Celtics when we come back on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, NHtalkradio.com. I blow the coaching whistle? Should I blow the whistle on the radio? I uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna go good. I mean, I could do it. I have it around my neck. I have my scary Terry T-shirt on. I got my coaching whistle. Coach Mack is in the basketball lab right now on the sports machine with Slim. How amped up are the Celtics for tonight's game? How amped up are the Miami Heat? Like the you know the NBA, it's always a, a cluster and a question as to whether or not these guys have any interest in playing. You read the scores each night, you're seeing 140 points scored by this team, 154 points scored, 130. It's like these teams, they're not interested in playing any defense. They're just trying to get through the, the cold months and get to the playoffs and win enough games to be in the right playoff position for when they get there with the matchups. I mean, this is obviously what Miami does. Miami doesn't care about the regular season. Eric Spolstra is... For my money, the best coach in the NBA. Love him. I like Malone, Mike Malone for for uh, Del, uh, Denver. A big fan of his too. But Eric Spoelstra. I mean, he he dealt with LeBron and them not wanting him in there, thinking he's some like twerp or something, looking at the guy. <laughs> but he he managed to have credibility with those folks, and he's kept the Heat relevant. Like they retooled and they've been right right near the top. I mean, been in the finals a couple times. Right in the last three years. Eric Spolstra, he's the man. And if he says you don't really need to care that much about the regular season, I guess I'm in on it. But with the Celts, we got a young team for the most part. Now, we did get Drew Holiday, and we do have Al Horford. Poor has been around a little while. But like besides Drew, nobody's won anything. So when you're younger, like Tatum and Brown, I'll throw Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Hauser in there. You want to win regular season games. You want to have the best record in the league, like the Celtics do—the 34 and 10. No other team has has less than 13 losses. Like we got a three game lead in the loss column over everybody else in the NBA. The Celts, best regular season team in basketball. They have been last year and this year. You combined, I mean, we're we're there. We're the best regular season team in basketball. But last year in the playoffs. We took out Philadelphia. First round, we beat Atlanta, right? Atlanta's just, you know, I mean, no contest. I hope we play them again <laughs> this year, I guess. But um, tough series. Last year against the 76ers, that Embiid cat, I'm afraid of him, especially with Nick Nurse. I told everybody here, this, that team, we need to look out for those guys. But the Celts have the most talent. It's evident watching the regular season games. These bad teams don't beat us. Meanwhile, Miami's lost four in a row. You know who they've lost to? They lost last night to Memphis, 105-96. So Memphis stinks. Before Memphis, they lose at Orlando, 105-87. They get smoked at Orlando. Before that, they play Atlanta at home. They lose 109-108. That Atlanta team I just said, <laughs> not very good. And the game before that, at Toronto, they lose 121-97. to so Miami's in, in the midst of a four-game losing streak, but they're playing the Celtics tonight. And they got Scary Terry. So we've talked about this. My cousin bought from Quincy. He's, he's called before. He said to Kelly Olynyk, calling his shot when we were playing as the Utah Jazz Kelly's on, right? The former Celtics, any former player uh, of a team, when they come back and play that same team, they get fired up. You know Scary Terry tonight wants to have a big night, and he can. Do you people know Terry Rozier is averaging 23 points a game? It's 22.7, I think. Points a game. Six and a half assists. That's what he's averaging on the season. 22 points, six assists. Pretty darn good. Now, that was for a Charlotte team that's pretty darn bad. They're 10 and 32. So maybe he's just putting up hollow stats. I mean, he is. He was putting up hollow stats. And how is Miami going to use him? I'm not exactly certain, but I do know the guy's, um, uh, I feel he's a winner. And when he plays hard, man, he's scrappy. He was always on the Celtics. This is why I have a Scary Terry shirt. It's why I still own this and wear it occasionally. The green Celtics. Do you know what Scary Terry shirt he's got on this mask from like the movie Scream? And, and he was scary because he just would go go crazy in certain games. Remember that that series when we played against Milwaukee the years back, and he was going up against uh, Eric Bledsoe, and he called him post game like in in a conference Drew Bledsoe, former Patriots quarterback. That was so great. It was like an underhanded um, you know cut down, and everybody knew he had done it on purpose, and it got played up big time. But that's that's just kind of who he was. I think he's not afraid of challenging people. You'll see it tonight. Celtics Miami game is going to be a good one, everybody. The Celtics struggle against Miami last year. We were we were expecting the cakewalk to the finals. I mean, we had been in the finals the year before against Golden State. We're a young team. Okay, we learned from that defeat. We come back the next season, have a great regular season. We move past Atlanta. We beat a great challenge from the 76ers that went seven games, right? And I'm pretty sure the Tatum had 50. In game seven, if my memory's correct, there. So we're looking like, dude, we're gonna beat Miami and go to the finals again. Miami opens up a three to nothing series lead on us last night. Oh no, my hands are my head the pain, the pain of watching. I can still feel it. I am reliving it today. This is the second time we play Miami this season. Uh, number, uh, second game of the year, just so everybody knows. We did play Miami. We beat them. What the heck was the score? 119-111. to 111, Second game of the year. It was at home. So uh, how much does that tell us? Nothing. Nothing that doesn't tell us anything. It none of these numbers matter. Miami's lost four in a row. Celtics have won two in a row. We beat Houston. We beat Dallas. We're looking good. Now we go at Miami. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen tonight. I can't tell you. I got no prediction other than Terry Rosier is coming. And my prediction, I guess, will be that he scores at least 20 tonight. He might go for 25 or 30 if you're out there betting, betting uh, individual player totals. Why not? Scary Terry. Or play him on steals. Play everything. Play everything. It's Scary Terry night. Miami Heat, they're probably going to want the game a little bit more than the Celtics, or do the Celtics like secretly hate Terry Rozier? Do, what does Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum think? Because I know Tatum wanted to beat um, Grant Williams the other night with Dallas. They wanted to beat Kyrie, and I love that they did. You can't let your former guys who came in and disrupted your team thinking they were the greatest and, and came in and totally held us back for a year or two, Kyrie Irving, and then... Play them later and be like all pals and buddies, and okay, you beat us. Like, if we beat them, hey, that's cool, post-game, go over and give a hug. All right, cool, good to see you, man. But if they beat you, no, no, you're not happy, post-game. You're not, oh, okay, cool, maybe it's a quick embrace whatever, but it's not the same thing. If I win, hey, cool, it's easier to be happy. Donald Trump said that on Thursday. He's like, it's it's easy to be nice and like people when you win. <laughs> That was great talking about Vivek. I think no, Ron Ron DeSantis because he said he was retiring the na- nickname DeSanctimonious. He goes, That's retired about as soon as DeSantis endorsed him. Donald Trump, God bless us all. Um, the Boston Celtics, let's get back to this. We're steamrolling towards the all star break. The East is slammed, man. The East is going to be so tough. You got Giannis. And Damian Lillard, who's in a position now with Portland for the first time, Dame Dam- never had a chance to win. Now he's with Milwaukee for the first time. He's you know you're gonna get a real focused effort. Doc Rivers may be going to coach there. I just don't think that's gonna work. But hopefully, the 76ers will play the Bucks in the two and three positions here. So in the second round. Let's have those two teams match up. What I'm going to tell you is 76ers will definitely take down the Bucs. But to get there and play the winner of that series, we'll have to beat the winner of the 4-5. Well, is that going to be Miami? It stands to reason. If we're going to finally win a title this year, people, Celtics fans, you're going to probably have to go through Miami. It's just exercising the demons of the past. you got to be like, all right, you guys have beaten us a couple times. Last year Especially. You're down 0 3. You battle back to tie it at 3 3. Remember the, uh, the stats? I don't remember what it was, but something like 78 times out of 81 times. Like the, the team has finished you off. You haven't even gotten to a game seven when the team has a 3 0 lead. Those stupid stats, they always give you confidence in like thinking they were going to win. <laughs> that dumbs that. So we forced the game seven and then we bowed out. What was the score? It was like 103 to 84. That's what I have written down. Not even a contest in Game 7. Celtics, so you've got to remember that tonight, don't you? I know Scary Terry is going to be on the side. Maybe he's wearing the scream mask. Whatever he's doing, he's going to be fired up. Don't be intimidated. Go into Miami. They're on a four-game losing streak. Take them to the hole. Don't settle for the threes. Dunk on their heads, dude. Just go out and beat that team. You're better than Miami. But... I thought that last year, and I thought that three years ago when they were going to the bubble, pandemic season, Miami crushed my hopes and dreams. Is it going to happen again? (laughs) Not tonight. Tonight's not that important. The playoffs are what's important. The Bruins and the Celtics, I'm going to be rooting for you, watching you guys every single night. And talking about it on the sports machine with Slim each day with you folks if you're willing to listen to me. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. You can go there today to listen to the Spicy Shark WKXL Spotlight Episode 4 to 5 today. It's going to be good. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Friday. Bye.